One key manufacturing strategy that emerged from the miracle that was post-war Japan was a disciplined focus on quality, combined with a diligent determination to eliminate waste. This double-barreled approach crossed the Pacific and began to transform North American manufacturing, evolving into what we now know as lean methodology today, an ongoing and concerted means to reduce wasted effort while striving for continuous improvement. So by the time digital technology ushered in Industry 4.0 at the start of this century, lean thinking was a highly mature and proven approach. But history has taught us over and over that when something new and game-changing meets the tried and true, there will be conflict. For proponents of lean methodologies, the arrival of digital technology was oftentimes dismissed as perhaps trendy, a flash in the pan, a shortcut that wouldn't work in the long run. And for the proponents of digital, lean was looked at as old-fashioned and way beyond its sell-by date. It was time to shuffle it off to the old folks' home. That's a pretty black and white way of looking at it, and the reality, of course, is far more varied shades of gray. Hello, I'm Chris Henry, and this is another episode of Ahead of the Curve, produced by Gerent, a leading Salesforce implementation company. In this episode, a discussion between two highly experienced individuals who've carved out impressive resumes in both manufacturing and continuous improvement. Michael Bremer is a sought-after speaker and consultant and a best-selling author of four books on continuous improvement. He's worked at such companies as Boeing, Beatrice Foods, and Motorola, and is an active volunteer with the Association of Manufacturing Excellence. David Morley is currently Jaren's VP of Manufacturing. David has guided global manufacturing organizations in business practice improvement and has worked for such firms as Actuant Corporation, Elliott Manufacturing, Omega Pultrusions, and others, growing EBITDA and sales revenues along the way. Our discussion begins with a straightforward question. Can digital and lean get along? or are they fundamentally incapable of serving each other? Here's Michael Bremer. Well, I, I would say that there's people that believe that they, um, they're they not compatible. Um, I also want to clarify that I'm not a lean zealot. I'm a fan of highly effective improvement practices. <laughs> and lean is one methodology that people can use for doing that, but it is not the only methodology. But relative to your question, can highly effective improvement practices coexist with digital? I, I think they have to. The world is is becoming more and more digital. There's things that um, within the lean world that people, just given the tactile nature of it and the learning nature that comes when you first start doing something, you know, to use post-it notes on a wall when you got a whiteboard, uh, you use magic markers. When you're first starting to do some of those things, that's very fluid and you're going through a learning experience. But once you bake these things in to make them digital is great. And then, as I'm certain David will be talking about, the digital information that can supplement what it is you need to be improving is just phenomenal. The information that is available to people today and they really should be taking advantage of that. David Morley argues not only is that digital information vital, but it drives immediate results for manufacturers. I would say that uh, the biggest transformation for me was taking our 
annual catch ball process and building the goals into a digital platform so you could look at them in real time meant that we were actually reviewing results as they happened as opposed to looking at you know February and March or you know, looking at April's results in in uh, in the future so that's the big transformation for me in one sentence the the idea is for the organization to improve and so it's not like i'm just doing this stuff in the factory i mean if if one of the things we need to do to improve is to to get better information and share that information about customers i mean i can map that i can create a process map of what it is that's currently going on there's a, a SIPOC diagram, you know, which is what supplier inputs, the processes we use, the outputs and the customer for those processes. I can take a tool like that. And as I look at the customer, what is that customer's demand? How do we know that's customer's demand? How do we validate it, what it is that we think the customer is doing? And then how are we aligning ourselves to deliver that? So I could certainly do that within a lean umbrella. But if I should be using digital to make this information happen, it, it's it's kind of irrelevant to the improvement methodology that I'm using. It's 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 the right tool. If that's a tool I should use, I should use the tool. Yeah, I, I think the way that the systems are set up now, you you narrow down who your key accounts are, where your where your variable contribution margin has been generated, and you look at the efficiency of your factory, and then look at share of wallet, and all of those things can be provided as insights to salespeople, so they know when somebody should be spoken to, when the mix has changed, when the margins are fluctuating in a different way. And all of that can help with um, inventory control, over-processing, defects, that sort of thing. And, and today you can build that into a platform and have those insights, but it still requires the sales guide to go out and understand what is moving with the customer. But it also gives them good information to have an intelligent conversation about volumes, pricing, history, mix, that kind of thing. And it's not a big request on the finance department anymore. It's an analysis that's being done on, on your behalf. So if, as the forecast gets better, I think, well, I know for a fact that as forecast gets better and they don't get discounted by anybody downstream, yeah. the businesses become efficient. That's a really good point, David. I mean, one of the things I've seen when you start to get that information and it's becoming more easily available today, but you've got the, um, you know, you, you talked about the 80-20 rule. And so that, you know, 20% of my customers that are typically 70 to 80% of my profits. Yep. Um, when I've got information like you're talking about, and I find that 50% that, that, that we're losing, uh, number one, that can make it easier for me to drop some problematic customers. And number two, I find that I've got a lot of pricing flexibility when I go in there with some of those lower volume items there is much more price flexibility than the typical salesperson uh, feels is available. And if we're really not making money on it, if we can't get the margins on it, I don't want to make that just a, a finance decision all by itself, because sometimes these things complement other things we're selling. But if that's not the case, um, I either increase the price or, or we drop it. It's so hard for organizations to figure out what they should stop doing. The yeah. digital technology can help help people to understand that. So just an example, it's almost like we were in the same project, but I did an analysis at a, at a business that I was um, charged with developing and growing. Um, so we did the VCM analysis and realized that we had got lots of negative uh, VCM margin products and we sat down with the sales team and they said, well, you know, they're our lost leaders and they're part of a contract and we can help us get a bigger. And I said, well, when, when was the last time you looked at this? And they were like, well, I don't remember the last time we looked at it, but you know, believe me that we wouldn't get these contracts unless we did it. <laughs> right. 
So I said, well, are you aware that if you raised all of the price into the average margin and you moved these products that are moving from production quality volumes to aftermarket where you can get better pricing, you could increase your bottom line by $8 million. And they were not even phased by it. I said, well, are you aware that two of the companies that you make products for, you make no money on at all? And so not having a handle on that information because it's difficult to get and nobody's got the time to pull the analysis together, I think is the real breakthrough for how you use digital tools. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this then, David, and, and Michael, you chime in after. So in order for digital technology to really make an impact, does it mean that the processes have to be tweaked or substantially altered in some way to begin with? If that question was at me first, I can tell you that I've met several customers during my uh, short time at Gerent that are trying to do exactly that. And it makes the project more difficult. And it's true that you do have to adjust and move your product, your process into a different format. Uh, Michael, what do you think of that? Because I believe you're, well, you're a fan of making the processes work to begin with. Well, the, the classic way that people have done systems for years, and we talked about this in our pre-conversation, uh, Chris, and you mentioned something about silos um, before we started today. So the IT department is, has a project that they've got to get implemented. If it's an IT thing, it's often, but not always driven by finance. None of those people have responsibility for the overall process, and their charge is to get the new program put together as quickly as possible so we can use it. And because it's automated, it's going to make life better, right? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. for what, 50 years, people have been doing processes this way where they implement this thing that is stuffed with exceptions. It's stuffed with variation and they try to automate it. And as David just said, oh my God, it just makes it so freaking complicated that it's ridiculous. Yet people don't see it. You're approaching this from a silo way. So absolutely, I am a yeah. fan of improving the process, figuring out what is it that we want to be doing. Going back to David's point earlier, what do we believe is going to um, to be the you know the customer demand, whether it's an internal customer for this process or an external customer? You know what 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 are the requirements there that we're moving toward? How do we validate those requirements? Because when you ask people what their requirements are, they don't really know. I mean, they know some of them, but they don't know all of them. And sometimes there's a wish list that there, and sometimes they they haven't fully thought through. What if they want? Because they're busy doing their job. I, I love the agile technologies that are being used now for implementation, where we're where we're building and learning as we go. We're validating as we go, and creating the overall process rather than the classic way that these things were done for years. So, it, but that's not the way most organizations work. The way most organizations work is it's all siloed, and they do these things separately, and then they end up that you know, rarely does the new thing perform the way it was they were hoping it would. So, uh, David, a question for you then, because I think we're hanging around the edges of a discussion about corporate culture. I want, to, I want to ask you, David, flat out, what you think the differences are between a lean culture and a digital culture? So I would say we've talked about outward facing versus inward facing. So I've worked in organizations with a lean, lean department that is focused on cost savings and efficiencies. And there's not really a lot of thought around how that impacts the customer. I've seen inventories being reduced without customer involvement. And then 
stoppages and blockages and inventory outages in the in the factory while we celebrate hitting the goal for inventory dollars. So I believe that central data is the way to go forward and that all disciplines should be working from that same central data, which is based around actual sales and forecasting and forecast accuracy. And then all of our available labor, available inventory, all of that falls into line. It, it takes out the bottlenecks in the factory naturally occur when you rush products through because material came in late. You can solve that by just walking into the factory and trying to solve the bottleneck, but it's not a whole solution. The solution is we need to get the product to the customer on time and how are we doing? So measuring on-time delivery, measuring customer, you know, our customer scorecard performance, uh, measuring our forecast accuracy, for me, is the, the center for all of that. And everybody should have the same access to the same information so they can see all of the information around our key customers. Okay, so I'm going to take a step back here and um, start talking about a digital roadmap. You know, it's a phrase that gets tossed around a lot, but it really is, it's a viable phrase because in order to bring in any kind of digital change to a company, there has to be a starting point. And then you then you kind of plot your path and it may be a never ending path, quite frankly, but at least you've got to have a sense of direction. So that's going to take some internal evaluation. Uh, Michael, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, about the some kind of an internal evaluation and who should lead it that ought to take place within any manufacturer, you know, prior to deciding on a technology solution. So Chris, as you know, I do a lot of volunteer work for the Association of Manufacturing Excellence. And we have a, self, a free self-assessment instrument that people, if they go to the Association of Manufacturing, AME.org, they can find this thing called the AME Lean Sensei. And given the language you're using here, we've had 60 questions in the past that typically focused on the effectiveness of their lean efforts. Now, we think it's holistic because there's you know, policy deployment, and we look at some results as the business growing and costs going down. But digital is becoming such an important part of it. We're going to be rolling out a new lean sensei that has four questions related to assessing technologies within the organization. So the first is just doing an assessment where we're going out and taking the technology is changing so fast. You need some awareness of, of what's available with the technologies, because I think that can influence what it is, um, a pathway that people might want to follow. And so from an improvement effectiveness standpoint, I want to know if the organization has an assessment process for looking at technologies. And ideally, that would be a cross-functional group. Some people that have um, skills within that realm. And, and also people that have got direct knowledge of the customers uh, for the organization. And what is it that we think we could be doing to move this together? The, the next thing that they should be doing is looking at the technologies that they've implemented in the past. And are they realizing the benefit from those technologies that they implemented? So, so David talked about uh, when we were chatting earlier about using Salesforce technology, which is a great platform. And if I were in doing an assessment at that organization and I saw they not only did that for customer requirements management, but they've taken that platform and they're using that in, in other areas of their business to improve the way that it is they're operating, to improve the way they're communicating, then the way they're using their technology should say, well, well, these guys look like they're doing a pretty, pretty good job with it. Um, so we're looking at those two. The third then would be the way they're using big data and analytics, because there's so much you can be doing with sensors. So are they taking a look at using that? And then finally, 
what are they doing to give people the skills, the capabilities to use these technologies uh, inside the business? And so before I start designing the new software, assessing what is we're going to be needing, I would want to be thinking about it at several fronts. What's the information we want to gather? How are we going to give people the capabilities to use this? Use this, And how do we know this is what we need? And realize that this is all an experiment. And so how am I going to evaluate the results of this experiment as we go through? Are we learning and adjusting uh, what it is we think we need to be doing as we get more information, as we gain more expertise? David, you're you're very close to this, obviously, because you're dealing with clients who who want to, or ought to, go down a digital pathway. What are your thoughts here? Sometimes I'm surprised that they haven't uh, built their own business plan around the investment. It's not a small investment to buy uh, CRM licenses. It's not a small investment to engage with a, a consultant to help you with the integration. They don't often go back to their vision and strategy and say, what are my goals? Just like in a alignment session that we talked about where everybody gets their goals and they're all aligned and support each other. Those are the measurable smart activities that need to happen and be associated with digital information so you can get it real time. And build the business case based upon improvements in inventory levels in you know, reducing your gross inventory increasing your labor effective, effectively and increasing your on-time delivery. That's how you build the business case. And I think what uh, integrators have to be more these day, more and more these days is actually business process experts to be able to you know, hold their hands and walk them through why they're making this investment. Because otherwise you, you end up talking to a lot of customers who know they have to do something, but they're not 100% sure how to start. And when you get with a CRM manufacturer and, and, and an integrator, they're going to listen to your problems and they're going, to, they're going to solve for those problems. But often the problem isn't so obvious and the opportunity isn't so obvious. That's an interesting point. You know, it, it speaks to the idea that it's not necessarily possible for a company's own IT department to take this on because they're in a role of managing and maintaining legacy systems. And they may have no clue or not enough of a clue about what's out there in, in terms of digital technology solutions. David? Yeah, so um, we had one small business unit that was break even at best. And by focusing on customer contracts, pricing and slow moving inventory, we got it back to a reasonable profitable level using digital technology and persuaded the uh, corporation to reinvest in a business that they were going to divest. And so, you know, if you don't have that information, you don't have eyes focused on the same, or the goals are not across the team, it still requires team involvement, it still requires salespeople to know who the customers are and, and what they're doing. It, at that company, they, we, they weren't calling their key customers and they were, uh, the technologies were shifting, the contracts were being renewed and not renewed with, with that company. The buyer left and you know so all of those things still remain in the human realm right i mean that's where the forecast comes from but knowing what the results are understanding the mix understanding what the profitability was capacity of the machinery and that falls into what michael was talking about having you know building sensors into your into your facility so you can not only see where the bottlenecks are but you can see where uh, there's a variance to temperature or vibration or machinery breakdowns that sort of thing all of this is in included in what could be a complete digital transformation. 
Every manufacturer knows what the global pandemic did to the world's economy. If a company could combine the best of lean practices with the best forward-looking technology, like Salesforce's manufacturing cloud, for example, could they have foreseen what was to come? Michael Bremer doesn't think so. There is abnormal variation and normal variation. COVID was abnormal variation. And so the certainly an organization can plan for ebbs and flows. And, and David was talking earlier about the importance of sales forecasts. And I agree that's important. I think when you combine that with lean, what you're trying to do is to facilitate the organization's ability to respond rapidly to shifts in demand over, let's say, a one-week to 30-day period of time. And so as, as, I, as I can move getting the, from the forecast to getting the actual orders, so what is it that I really need? What do we have a demand for where my customer is pulling it and we can be delivering that within the next two weeks? Now, every, every business can't operate that way, but that's sort of the ideal model. And so I'm trying to shrink my reliance on the forecast to my ability to respond to whatever my real-time customer demand is within a window. As you get variation, like this radical variation that we had over the last year and a half, it's so abnormal. But it's interesting how I was ta- I've was i been talking to a lot of companies and how some companies have used that as a time to maintain their staff and to invest in the capabilities of the people that are there and to be ready for when, when growth comes back. And so the, in the case of new technologies, I mean, what could I be learning about using the new technologies you know, during the last 18 months? And there's been... I've been talking about this for a year and a half. There's been an explosion of innovation on a number of fronts. And as so many of these organizations started to innovate, I think culturally, all of a sudden you realize that I can innovate. I can do radically different things. And that can create such a positive tone in the culture if leadership is willing to trust the people during the organization and if leadership creates uh, an environment where we're breaking down the silos and allowing people to be doing more collaboration across those. So I, I know that I'm answering your question 100%. I, I, I'm not an either-or kind of guy. I, I need an appropriate use of these technologies to do it. I wouldn't want to do it just through technology, and I wouldn't want to do it just through lean. I think you need to be looking at both. Yeah. So I think it was a great time to change. I saw some pretty big successes in companies that were able to move and be more agile. So an example was three different paint companies that are traded on the stock exchange, put in their Q3 reports last year, and two of them had breakout years with uh, earnings per shares through the roof, just an absolute ban a year. And one of them had a terrible year. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go and find out what went on. They're very well-known names. So the, the first name was more of a domestic manufacturer of, of paints and sealants and had a great, great year. And then the second one had equal shares of commercial and, and domestic and was able to understand the uh, capabilities and capacities in the different facilities they had. And they switched over to domestic paint manufacturing and had a banner year. The other one did, couldn't move, didn't make a decision on moving. Now, I don't know the ins and outs specifically, but it looks like one of the customers was in the right place at the right time. One of them moved to the right place at the right time and was able to do that through the fact that they, in their uh, annual report, they, they talk about how they've been managing their assets and understanding their assets more. And the other one looked as if they couldn't make decisions because they probably didn't have the right data. That's how you move and change in a, in a changing environment like this. And I think moving forward, people will become 
less interested in saving a, a penny on a part from somewhere in the world that's got a long supply chain. And they'll be more interested in the value of the products they manufacture and the margins they make from those products because they're selling on value rather than price. And then you'll, you'll shorten the supply chain and become more flexible. And that's what customers are going to demand moving forward. Imagine a manufacturing entity that was a textbook example of lean and at the same time had also digitally transformed. What could such a company potentially achieve? Here's Michael Bremer once more. When you look at the way that most organizations operate, we talked about very few organizations are highly effective in improving. Um, most people do an okay job of improving and and they know that highly effective stuff is out there, but they think if they just get a little bit better that they'll be there. They don't realize the magnitude of improvement that's available. You could probably improve your lead times, a 50% reduction in lead times. You could probably, whatever your facility is, and I don't care if you're an engineering design organization, a manufacturing organization, or you're in a customer service facility, you've probably got 50% of capacity that's there that you're underutilizing because of the way that you're doing work today. Uh, per David's point, the, the three customers that he just talked about, if I can improve my operational practices, the way we do work, the way we do design, and then I can complement that with real-time feedback on what, what's happening in my business today and getting better and better information on what's happening with, with my customers, what is it that we, you know, we should be doing? You could have in the significant double digits of, of improvement take place for an organization in terms of revenue growth and profitability. We've heard some solid arguments in favor of both lean methodology and digital transformation. And as it turns out, it's not an either or situation after all. Digital can support lean and lean can support digital. And the combination is pretty powerful. E pluribus unum. You've been listening to Ahead of the Curve produced by Jared. Special thanks to Michael Bremer, one of the foremost practitioners of continuous improvement, and David Morley, Jared's VP of Manufacturing, for sharing their thoughts and experiences. Our technical producer is Dave Grine from the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto. I'm Chris Henry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>